In the heart of these animated wonders, there are tales and symbols older and darker than the castle's highest tower. Welcome to Occult Disney. Journey with Paranoid American and Matthew Comagies as they traverse the intricate pathways of alchemy, the shadowed corners of biblical narratives, and the very folklore that birthed these tales. Beneath every brushstroke lie whispers of writers' taboos, the cloak-and-dagger politics of hallowed studios, and secrets held close. Every magic has its price, every kingdom its shadows. Are you prepared to peer beyond the veil? Welcome to the Occult Disney Podcast. Hey everyone, we're getting goofy today. Uh, this is this is Matt here. Over there is the paranoid American. Howdy. Howdy, howdy. It is a goofy movie, which um, is one that I, I guess has been reappraised over the years and is now considered a minor classic, I guess. Well, what do you think? Okay, so I was a little too old for Goof Troop. I was a little too old for this movie. How old was I? April 16. A 60-year-old is not going to see a Goofy movie. So, uh, <laughs> as a new release, at least. So I saw this last night. Um, I found it extremely pleasant, I guess. <laughs> like, I didn't come in and... I remember uh, when when I had my first view of Lilo and Stitch, I was like, "Oh my god, this is one of the best Disney movies." This, this one, I was just like, "It's it's fine." Um, half of the songs I liked, which is actually a pretty good batting average for what is considered, I guess, a B list Disney. Uh, so yeah, it, it was it was pleasant, but I did feel like I was watching something that would be on TV rather than on the big screen. And this is actually a movie that I saw on TV, not on the big screen, but I'm pretty sure I saw it within a year after it came out. And uh, I think I was 12 at the time. So this was like right in my wheelhouse. Like this movie was kind of made for my demographic in a quite literal way. Yeah, like uh, I'm a couple years older. So that, that couple years difference, I guess, put me on the uh, in with the, the save by the bell crowd, which I think I bought a few random references <laughs> to in the past of that show. Cause that was, that's the thing. Like um, in this movie, Goof Troop, I guess he's in elementary school, junior high. This one, he's in high school, uh, saved by the bell. They're in junior high, high school. And those aren't the people watching these high schoolers would not be watching a goofy movie as I didn't. It's people about four years younger. I think that are really keying into it, you know? Cause as a kid, I was like, Oh yeah, the saved by the bell folks. They're a little older than me. So I, I'm, I'm behind, but I'm like, no, no, I was like right in the cachet for what they were looking for, uh, for viewers. Yeah, you at thought least. you were thought you were breaking the mold, but you were actually, you were the mold. I was the mold. Uh, yeah, I was moldy. Cuckoo, <laughs> Oh, well. <laughs> so uh, is this one you've like seen? How, how many times have you watched this yourself, Curiosity, since it might, was entered your slipstream in, in, I guess, 96 or so? Yeah, maybe four or five. This might have been the fourth or fifth time, but it was pretty much... Uh, not like I go back and watch this religiously. I think when it came out, it just happened to be on the Disney Channel a few times here and there. And it was good enough that I already knew channel surfing was going to result in something way worse than whatever you know the Goofy movie had to offer. So I, I distinctly remember channel surfing, seeing, oh, it's the Goofy movie, and being like, this, like, I'll settle on this. Uh, because, it again, it was a pretty decent movie. I, I liked it. And also... 
we'll we'll get deep into this. Uh, <laughs> there's a lot of hotties in this movie. I'll just I'll leave it at that for now. Cartoon maybe it's, maybe it's me. Maybe I'm a weirdo. But that's okay. I went on about the Heathcliff uh, cat before, so uh, you you can go on about that <laughs> if you need to. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. So oh, by the way, as an English teacher, I have to correct you. It is a goofy movie because there is a direct-to-video sequel, an extremely goofy movie. So it's it's not the goofy movie. There's more than one now. Although I don't know if direct-to-video counts. So your your silly uh, grammar corrections have no effect on me, sir. Yeah, sure. Uh, yeah, yeah. It, it, I have to be in the classroom. Where I, my grammar word is law. I, I don't really run a class. No, you're, yeah, you don't. You don't have law here. Like I'll, I'll break every grammar law that you want to throw at me. Hey, maybe this is chill. If it's as as a teacher, if it's if it really needs to be changed, red pen. If I'm like, yeah, this will be better, blue pen. Just to show, no, it's not wrong. But here's something better. Look, I know how to talk good. I know. How Sorry, to talk I know how to. Good, yeah. I know how to speak good. <laughs> <laughs> Talk proper, damn it. Which isn't quite the South, but they're real close, so I don't know. I can say Southern in a Southern accent, I think, so. If someone says something that I, I don't like how they're saying it, I just tell them to speak in American, and I like it because there's, there's less than a half, 50% uh, chance that they'll think like they'll even assume that I'm being sarcastic and they'll just be like, Oh, this idiot thinks that American is a language. Uh, but mm -hmm. I like that. And I think American should be a language. Well, if there's English, English as uh, Mike O'Kane brings out, in, uh, Austin Powers, <laughs> then, uh, you know, we can have American English. Sure. No, actually, um, no. And no, not American English. We're just get, we're dropping the word English. We're completely separating ourselves once and for all. Just American, it's just American, American, American. Says the paranoid American, yeah. yeah. Right. No, my British coworker, who who I do a bunch of podcasts with too, um, he he keeps lamenting that his speaking has changed more American because in Japan, you know, we teach we teach American rather than than English English because that's what's on well, the test and, and stuff. It's a superior so, language. Yeah, well, I, I don't know if he agree with that, but he would agree he's corrupted his own his own proper English with that kind of English, our kind of English, yeah. But not Southern English. We we don't we don't teach that. Although I do use y'all as a proper word regularly. I think y'all y'all is is evolving like any like any good thing. It it becomes sort of assimilated throughout the rest of the culture. So y'all is now yeah it works acceptable. much better. Than you all you all. Um, but we'll get to talking about this movie. But the other the thing I found living here is I can choose my own accent a little bit. So if I decide I like the word schedule better, I'm using it. And I've also learned that I flattened a lot of my harsh vowel sounds, like, eh, eh, you know, the mini-me sounds uh, for another Boston Powers reference already. Um, yeah, I, I try to flatten my vowels just because I don't like the sound of sharp vowels. It's a personal preference. <laughs> and I guess it's, it could be seen as offensive to someone like, oh, that American is talking so harshly. No one notices, though, because it's Japan, right? So I could choose my own language. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, yes, rolling the ball back into a goofy movie. Um, it did have a straight-to-video vibe. Even this one did, I thought. Like, it, it obviously, the, the probably the C team was animating this. I don't even think it's credited to um, Walt Disney Animation. I think it's something else. Uh, okay, it, it's movie tunes and Walt Disney 
television animation. So if we're on a TV scale, this is an amazing animation. But if we just watch The Lion King, as we just did, it's maybe falling behind a little bit. Yeah, this one lacks, because especially since when I watch these movies, I keep my eye out for you know, shapes and numbers and words and just like anything at all that I can squeeze into maybe meaning something occult for the, the namesake of the show. But this one was incredibly difficult because I even made a note here that there were so many scenes, like they're inside the car, they're driving outside and they drive by maybe one billboard in the entire, in, in all of the entirety of everywhere they go in a car in this movie, which is a large majority of the movie is a car trip. Uh, you only see like one or two billboards that say anything on them, and the rest of it is uh, extremely generic. Although, I don't think that that's a bad generic. Uh, it just means that maybe they didn't, the TV team uh, wasn't hell-bent on just like baking occult symbolism into uh, every nook and cranny here, and they might have been on a deadline. Uh, and some of the backgrounds lack that level of detail, but also... Like, it doesn't matter because if you're watching this for a goofy movie, you don't care if there's not uh, some weird, you know, 233 or 322 symbolism in the background because it's a serviceable animation. It's it's goofy. It's, it's classic goofy. Yeah. Um, I guess I was going to see, Team, a little bit. Uh, this kind of probably fits what you're saying. Uh, this was supposed... So this is Katzenberg Greenlighted it, and it was going to come out at the end of 1994. Um, it says the monitor that they were using to capture the film's animation had a single dead pixel, forcing them to recapture three quarters of the film again with a non-defective monitor. So it was released six months after it was supposed to, at which point Katzenberg had already been fired. And this was considered basically a contractual obligation to release this film. But the funniest thing is, since they had to delay a goofy movie, they, they slotted in the Lion King. Just get that out there, you know? Because <laughs> they also weren't feeling like very good. That was considered like a B-list movie as well that just really exploded over their next A-list. It, sometimes it just shows that they don't know. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, especially the suits up high. Like, they might understand all the business opportunities and like, oh, you know, McDonald's will love these Happy Meal toys. Like, they understand that aspect and the ancillary stuff. But I don't think that we've got tastemakers at the high levels in any of these companies. I don't know if anyone that hits that level that can also uh, have that sort of like shrewd business acumen is also going to be a tastemaker. I don't know. Maybe maybe there is out there. It seems Katzenberg does come the closest to being a bit of a tastemaker, but also being, I guess, a, a horrible prick, which is oh. where he ended up getting fired and starting another country. In Sometimes revenge. it requires... a. Sometimes that's not, you know, I, I think that we're in this weird space now where like everyone has to be a good person for you to enjoy their art or their music or their creations. And sometimes it's like the biggest scumbags on the planet that make the most entertaining stuff. So oh, I don't yeah, know. it's like, you know, I love the who, but I don't want uh, Keith Moon in my kitchen. That would have been horrible. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, kind of kind of the same thing here. I don't know. I, is there a line? Is there any like... Um... I, I, I'm saying that because I'm thinking of one where I just had to like write him off. But um, well, Roman Polanski is a good one. Yeah. Uh, is there a line in the sand? Uh, like, or are his movies so good that you're willing? And I'll, also, I mean, I pirate a large majority, if not like 99.9 .9 repeating percent of all the media I consume. So when it comes to like 
moral support or ethics. I feel like I already like my ethics are already so far beyond. Like I'm in this the high seas right now. <laughs> uh, there's no morals or ethics in the middle of you know international waters. But in that case, like it never feels like I'm supporting Dan Snyder or I'm I'm supporting. Um, I don't know why I said Dan Snyder. You know, fuck that guy in particular. No, but <laughs> like. I don't feel like Roman Polanski is ever going to see a penny or a cent or anything out of me. The only thing he gets is maybe the energy of me talking and putting his name into the universe, if that even exists. But other than that, I don't really have any qualms over it. The the, the one where I the I was just bringing it up because the one where I've kind of been like, and hey, it's all on my computer still. It's not like I erased it or something. But um, there's a, the leader of the band, uh, Red House Painters and Sun Kill Moon. I like those bands a lot. And yeah, the, the leader of that just seems... You never quite know, do you? But it seems he's just a reprehensible scumbag. I'm like, I have trouble listening to this now. <laughs> I mean, that's another thing, too. If, if like the song comes on and you no longer enjoy it because you just keep thinking about, you know, how horrible someone involved in it was. I guess because it's like um, a melancholic, you know, love song or something. But then you're like, well, in real life, you got rapey after singing that. So <laughs> that's not cool. This is why I can't listen to my Jimmy Seville sing-alongs anymore. <laughs> that used to be my, my go-to. Jim can't fix it for you anymore? That's too bad. <laughs> <laughs> no. How can Goofy fix it? I'm amazed we're 13 minutes into this and I haven't started doing Goofy voices yet. So, uh, we'll, we'll Please see, don't. We'll see, when that, uh, we'll see when that kicks in. It's going to happen. Even Max Sorry. didn't want to do it, and, and that was genetic. <laughs> oh, there we go. Okay. Oh, <laughs> I will say when I went to Disney World at age five or whatever, um, I, I got a goofy hat, not mouse ears. So, <laughs> uh, I think I did too, man. That was the coolest one. It was. Yeah, that's when Goofy was cool. You know, in the eighties, before it became lame in the nineties, as we see in this movie. <laughs> I think. I mean, this movie might have had a huge part in making Goofy lame. Yeah, uh, yeah. I didn't see Goof Troop. Did you ever watch that? Uh, series i did i i remember less of that than i do of this movie but uh it, it was weird because <clears throat> i i distinctly also remember that goofy and anything that was on the disney channel was like still like baby stuff and i was you know a grown-up 12 year old mm -hmm. and that was for babies but again like the goofy movie it was so damn good and it also it like it spoke to me as you know that 12 or 13 year old or whatever it was um, it, it was like more connected. Whereas goof troop, it, I don't think goof troop got as edgy, uh, as some of the scenes in this movie, a goofy movie, the edge Lord of movies. Yes. <laughs> I mean, I've, I've got some, some photographic evidence that I'll go through. Okay. Yeah. No, right on. <laughs> That's what I'm here for. Cause no, I was sitting there watching it really trying, like I said, I found it very pleasant and I'm watching it with that eye to be like, Hey, what do I see under the surface? And the most I got was, um, this felt this just had a few vibes of the national lampoon vacation movies and the previous voice of max aged up for this movie but the previous voice actually was audrey from uh, natural national lampoon's european vacation that was that was goof troop max uh so i don't i mean that probably wasn't a yeah just a weird connection that 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 was the most i found is what i'm saying so <laughs> i mean there's Other definitely a national lampoon vacation vibe to a little bit of this yeah, I, here's one thing. Uh, you say you don't remember Groove Troop that well, but this felt so insular, I guess. I mean, it is really just Goofy and Max. It, like, I didn't feel much of a troop. Um, Pete and his son and PJ show up. B, Peej, what is it? They show up a little bit, right? Yeah, Peej, because uh, it's, it's Pete Jr., PJ. Yeah, yeah. 
I'm just looking at the list here and it says PJ. I was like, that's not quite right, is it? <laughs> but um, yeah, it really felt like it's just basically these two characters and with a little, you know, everyone else is kind of in orbit, you know? So it felt like a kind of a small movie, which isn't a bad thing, but uh, it didn't, yeah, it was kind of weird. I, I don't know if it felt like it was, had very few characters do, but uh, I mean, I uh, I got a little bit of that. They resolved some of it by just putting Max and Goofy in a car for like a large majority of the movie. But I, I'll out myself now as not being a goof troop aficionado as you might have uh, expected me to be. But I was wondering, like, where's the mom? Like, I don't I don't know anything about Max and Goofy's mom. Like, is she dead? Uh, did she? Mom is Jessica Rabbit. Did she leave? No, that's not true. What she said, you're even better than Goofy. I mean that that because Goofy didn't do it more than once. Come on, we have to. That's right. Goofy did it that's once. right. Goofy was but... the the real like sly one under the under the sheets, I guess. <laughs> but I, I was wondering that. I was just wondering is is this like a single dad situation, uh, and is that why this is so important to him? Because this is the only family. Like where's where's Goofy's wife? And it seems like he didn't have a wife based on just some like real subtle cues in the movie. And then also Pete, I was like, does what PJ also not have a mom? Is this just the story of, you know, single dads trying to make it in this scary world? Yeah, well, I mean, the movie Seven was originally supposed to be a prequel for this, you know. What's in the box? What's in the box? I'm going to edit all this out yeah. of my version, by the way. <laughs> of course. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, yeah, I, I guess there's a lot of... Nine, I'm trying to think of like 96 comms. Like, I guess that is one thing. You take a goofy movie and I, I, I'm relying on your goof troop knowledge, which is nothing because mine's even less. But so that I'm was baby like stuff. ABC. I'm not a baby. Yeah. So maybe you're watching uh, what was it? You know, must see Fridays or whatever on ABC, which Disney was buying around. This yeah. OK. Time. Yeah. So, we were I was 100 percent on like uh, Family Matters and um that was going to be the first yeah. one I was going to throw yeah, out. Yeah, big yes. time. Huge Family Matters <laughs> fan. Have you um, ever had a trip through the um, mid-90s sitcom episodes that go to Disney World? Uh, there was a ride, the movies ride, but I don't think that's what you're talking about. No, no. Family Matters did a double dipper in um, uh, their step-by-step uh, step did it. Step-by-step, step, another, another great one with uh, Richard Duffy and Susan... Suzanne Summers, right? Isn't that who that was? I think it's Patrick, Patrick Duffy. Duffy but yeah. yeah, yeah, that's right. And there's another real... Oh, Full House. Full House also went there. So if you want to really, like, melt your brain, you, you have a... You can watch... You can binge all the Disney World episodes where sitcoms go to <laughs> Disney World. And the funny thing is, some of the scenes are the same. Like, I think the Family Matters and the Step by Step, like, the Tower of Terror was new at the time, and both of them basically have the same scene in both shows, which aired on TV... Like well, they just yeah, apart. they gave them so like the, really... the B roll from Disney officially. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, it's like they had the same like ride opera, and it's probably filmed on the same day. Okay, step by step, get in there. Thank you, Family Matters. Now you get in. There. I mean, they're just commercials <laughs> so... for Disney World. <laughs> oh, absolutely. It's just like uh, I, I guess the fun of these episodes is how little the writers actually knew about the parks and, and how how dumb they assumed the viewers were. Oh, they probably weren't wrong. <laughs> It's, it's a mixture of the two. So, um, yeah, I do, I do recommend those sometimes. If you're feeling 90s nostalgic, you, you put those on because they're... If, if anyone um, was going to step-by-step -step or full house for knowledge, then they were already doomed from the beginning. Now, family matters we can have an intelligent discussion on. 
Right, right, because they have science and things. They, they had time know? travel. They had multi-dimensions. They had all sorts of really uh, ethical quandaries that you'd find yourself in. I, I'm a strong advocate of Family Matters. We need more like it. We need like another Family Matters reboot. What was the name of Cool Urkel? Do you remember that? Stefan. Yes, thank you. Okay, it was just try, like, try me, bro. I've I've watched every episode multiple <laughs> times. I'm I might not be able to like you know shoot from the hip, but I I know my Urkel. Yeah, it's been 20, 25 years for for me. So uh, the theme song holds no. up like it brings a tear to my eye. It, that and the Wonder Years theme song, the original one by uh, uh God, uh, uh, Jim Crochet was it? Am I just making names up? You might be. I'm just thinking someone tried to teach me to crochet a few days ago. and it went I'm probably really, mispronouncing really his name. I'm almost positive it was <laughs> Jim Croce. Crockett. Crockett. Oh, the singer? Is that how you pronounce it? I don't know. I've only seen it written. I don't either. Yeah, same here. James so. Joseph Croce. Croce. Crochet. I've always called him Crochet. Uh, I'm sure that's not okay. right, but yeah. Well, I was just having a flashback to, well, one, I'm left-handed, so, you know, it's, uh, they're trying to show me right-handed, so I'm, yeah, it's confusing to start with and he died in a plane crash yeah yeah he knew too much they they, they he He's... he cut the the theme song for wonder years and uh they were just like it doesn't get better than this like take him out like was... <laughs> he's at the tide of his power wasn't that a reservoir dog scene i can't remember what movie it was but someone was like like this meal is so good i'm gonna go back there i'm just gonna kill the chef because like no one should ever be able to taste something as good as this after I've tasted it. Oh, God, I should be able to tell you because I did a podcast on Reservoir Dogs Tuesday might, morning. I don't know if it was Reservoir Dogs <laughs> or if it was uh, Desperado or I, I, it was one of those. I don't think it was Reservoir because they were talking about like a virgin and tipping and Reservoir Dogs. So um, <laughs> they got they got obsessed with tip uh, or the fact that uh, Mr. Pink doesn't want to tip. Great scene. So. It's a great scene. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, this one, the other one that the thing I was not expecting, I guess, in this movie, because it was basically what I, I already knew was like kind of a road trip thing. Um, I guess the throwing in of was it power line mm -hmm. power line. Yeah, that was kind of a weird vibe. Well, not um, even throwing in. I mean, that was like it was coded all throughout the beginning of the movie, the middle of the movie, the end of the movie. Like this was they could have called this like the goofy power line movie and it would have made just as much sense. Which, uh, the, the voice of Powerline was Tevin Campbell, which I name I definitely remember from the 90s, but I'm having trouble putting a, a link to it at the moment. So, <laughs> And he had like a kid and play sort of look going on, too. It was definitely inspired by a very particular moment in time between the, the late 80s and the early 90s of like rap slash hip hop slash whatever this this genre kind of was. Now, if you really want to vomit, uh, getting back to Saved by the Bell, put on the um, episode where they do the rap musical oh, version of Snow White. That's, yeah, yeah, that that'll make you, you know, dry heave a little in your mouth as you're watching it, like you know, in a good way. It's not the worst. <laughs> it's the, I've seen way worse than that. And have I seen that episode <laughs> ten times? Maybe. <laughs> is is so? Which one is more classic, that one or the No Dose? episode the no dose episode for me is the no dose is more classic that's my favorite one and uh, maybe my, the my... hawaiian like the very first time they went to hawaii that was amazing and they were like we've got gold here let's just keep doing this over and over and yeah. over again 
Of course, of course, my favorite is the the, the rockumentary one. But, uh, oh, I haven't done. I have maybe that's the next uh, podcast. As we just we just say go for a save by the bell. We watch every episode, <laughs> uh, decode all of them in detail. If anyone wants that, drop a comment hey, or I... you know, throw a super chat in. Have I have I tried to start that podcast? <laughs> well, yes, maybe. <laughs> what if I, I feel um, like if maybe if you did it in reverse it. or something? Like you gotta you gotta have a spin on it. So maybe if you watch them in reverse oh, or reverse, yeah. I don't know. I don't know what else. What other spin you would do on it? Mark Paul Gossler's podcasting thing was I'll I'll stop it up to fifty. I guess the funding ran out so. <laughs> Because Zach Morris did did the first fifty episodes and then stopped doing it right when they were getting to the yeah. really good episodes. Uh, really good yeah. is in quotes, by the way. But <laughs> um, so you you well, that was right around some... they started getting into that Palest- uh, Palestine Israel conflict in in the Max. I remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And blown out corners of the Max. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> that the magician died, didn't he? That was Max. Okay, yeah. He does disappear after the first season. They they never speak of him again, but still has his name. So mm-hmm. that's kind of weird. What is the Max, by the way? Is it a restaurant? Is it a school cafeteria? Who owns it? They, it seems to be public. I mean, all all of the above. Because if, if it's a restaurant that is somehow associated with the school, then it is part of just the, the public, right? Yeah. Because you never really see like old exists? people in there. Right, right. So it's it's kind of weird. Okay. Any anyway, that that you, I've heard people talk about that for thirty minutes. So we should move on. <laughs> um, you had some thoughts coming into the Goofy movie, which I I didn't because I was having my first view. But uh, what what do you have going with your with your notes there? So I I do have some visual references, but I'm just I'll go ahead and emphasize this again. There's a lot of uh, unexpected hotties in this movie. And I'm saying that from the frame of reference of we've seen almost every, like we've seen every Disney animation up until now, uh, at least feature film. Right. And the only ones that really come to mind that really like play on like a, like a sexualized version of these drawings, Roger Rabbit, which we've already says kind of gets a pass because it's touchstone. It maybe was oriented towards adults a little bit. Fine. I'll give you that. Um, and then there was, was it the rescuers down under or uh, it might've been Oliver, but there was the one with like the boudoir sort of um, song about the cat. And like, um, anyways, that was, that was the only other one. And then maybe you could stretch and say Ariel, the little mermaid, but just in general, as yeah, a I was about to say, don't type rule 34 in Ariel. You don't want to do that into to Google. The, oh, I mean, I've, I've been in the, the AI training world for the last year. <laughs> I've seen every weird thing you can imagine when it comes to Disney princesses. <laughs> seen her boob growing out of her so, head. So yeah, okay. with those ones aside, this movie was just like made for horny teenagers like i'm there's no way that you can unconvince me of that and again i've I've got some photographic evidence where i went frame by frame because i'm an absolute weirdo but i was like this is the same thing that they use to make birds abandon their their eggs right they show them a blue um better egg a bigger brighter smoother egg and the bird's like i'll go sit on this one and let my own egg perish and die um, so this is that concept, right? This is like this, I forget what they call it. Okay. So anyways, we'll, we'll get to that in a second. My highlight notes is that 
this made Goofy cool beyond an age where I cared about Goofy being cool. Because again, like this was for babies, this was Disney Channel. But then I see Max and he's ultra relatable to a 12 or 13 year old. Or at least to me, like the lame 12 year old that I was. I was like, I actually, even now, I was like, okay, I, I can kind of see the appeal to this. But it's weird that the entire premise of the movie is essentially just based on a lie. But again, a 13-year-old, a horny 13-year-old uh, trying to, to secure his first girlfriend uh, and lying about it and not being the entire basis for a movie. Makes sense. It also makes even more sense if you consider this more of like a made-for-TV movie. Because this is like every plot of a sitcom. Like, pick, throw a dart at a board full of Saved by the Bell episodes, and it, it has something to do with, like, Zach lying about something to, like... That's built yeah. into the episode. You don't even have to throw in a dart. There was, um, <laughs> there was an interesting thing, too, here, because they're in the car, and Goofy's like, what do we do? Like, what are we gonna play? We can do car bingo, we've got 20 questions, and they keep going to this thing where it's like, guess who I am? I'm a girl, I'm a boy. Which is way harder to play in 2023, by the way. But if, if like, they're going through these different car games, and I remember I had these crappy little car bingo, like, things that you would, like, slide little windows open and close if you saw a cow or if you saw something. And then the Game Boy came out, the, the original Game Boy, and then all those games ended immediately. No one's playing 20 questions anymore. Um, and now it's, like... To, to go on an old man ramp, but now we've got like a phone, or they've got like the 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 Nintendo Game Gears, or whatever the kids are playing these days. But that doesn't exist. Did you ever play car games? I remember playing car games. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll mention a few car games. I also on the long trips would just go with a giant stack of comic books and you know read through. Ah, that makes it makes me sick, man. But... I wish I could read in the car more. Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, some of the, what were some of the ones? Um, cows. Uh, you count the cows, and those are your points, like on your side of the car. But if you pass a graveyard, you lose all <laughs> I your like cows. That. So it's a really <laughs> pointless and stupid game. Um, and then we, we had for every state line, we had a different song that everyone would have to sing when crossing the state line. And uh, I would sing one, but I do I remember. No, nah, not really. It's like North Carolina, North Carolina. So yeah, you'd have to sing this, not the state song, but the song we had for the state, which was different. How many bodies <laughs> do you have buried under your floorboards right now? I live on the second floor. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, interesting that you didn't actually answer the question. I like that. Okay, we'll keep <laughs> we'll keep rolling. Uh, the one song that they start singing, uh, "Open Road," I think, or it's called "On the Open Road." And this is where Goofy goes into song, almost uninvited. Like, there's no reason for anyone to start singing. Uh, but it starts with, like, the car noises turning into the beat. And I love that part. I absolutely loved that. And I almost wish that, that that was all it was and no one started singing at any point. It was just car noises. There, there, there was very long pregnant pauses in this movie where it's like, the song's coming, the song's coming, uh, which... I thought it was funny. They uh, one of the Star Treks last year. I did a musical episode where the weird anomaly is like making them sing songs. And there's one where they're walking down the <laughs> corridor, and you start hearing dun 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 dun. And they're like looking around, like oh crap, we have to start singing now. <laughs> is this an actual episode? What what was this? Yeah, it's uh, like episode eight or something of the last season of Strange New Worlds. Um, it has like 
five or six full on uh, show tunes. Okay, in it. you know what? As soon as the um, the Seth MacFarlane one came out, I can't remember the name of it. Or as soon as Orville came out, I was just like, everything modern Star Trek is dead to me, and this has taken its place. Okay, now I, 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 I did watch all the Orville too, and I like that, but uh, I'm pretty hardcore on my Trekkie. So. Yeah, I figured. Again, <laughs> how many bodies do you have buried around your house right now? Around my okay, house. Okay, uh, yeah, I get more specific. is really tiny. <laughs> we have a very tiny lawn. Okay, so so uh, not as many Japan. as you would like. It's it's inconvenient. I get yeah. that. So you'd have to go up to the family farm. Um, and then there's also that, uh, ironically, that scene with the really horrible song that I don't really even remember other than the hook. But that's it's interesting because as they're driving, they pass by like. A car, again, full of hotties. I've got photographic evidence. A car full of nuns. There's a car that has somebody in the trunk with cement shoes on, and they're tied up. Like, they are they are literally on their way to be murdered by the mafia. And that's, like, they also are part of this musical song. So I think that's just, like, a cool little <laughs> aspect of, like, I, I can't think of a lot of other Disney movies where it's like, oh, and by the way, that guy's about to get murdered. Ha ha, this is funny. And it, it was funny, and I and I appreciated it, and I wish there was more people that were on their way to get murdered in the background of Disney movies. <laughs> yeah, uh, there. Here, I, I have a list of the songs. Here's "After Today." I, I agree that one like kind of puts a bad taste in your mouth because every other song's better than that one. Um, yeah, because <laughs> when that started, I was like, "Oh crap! Is this is this the song quality?" And then they, they break it. I didn't remember this even being a musical, to be honest. I mean, obviously, I didn't. Two Tevin Campbell songs stand out, and um, this one's I to I, I to I, letter I, number two, letter I, kind of a Prince thing, I guess. It, it's an 80s, 90s thing. Yes, yeah. yes. And uh, then On the Open Road, the one you mentioned. Oh, Lester's Possum Park. That was quite fantastic. And uh, I like that. Nobody else but you. Yeah, yeah okay. Uh, Lester's Possum Park was definitely my favorite part of this film. Probably just liking the, you know, bizarre. I always like a good fake theme park in a... Uh, in, in my media. <laughs> this is a really obscure reference and I forgive anyone that, that doesn't even know what I'm talking about, but have you ever heard of Sam and Max hit the road? The original Lucas arts game from the nineties. I think it was weirdly. Yes. Okay. <laughs> so the, the original Sam and Max, they had, there were so many levels in that game that while I was watching this movie, I was like, damn, this looks exactly like a screen from Sam and Max. And that happened like three or four times in this movie. One of them was at Possum Park because they all, Sam and Max game, they also go to like this carnival land where this big ominous mouth that you have to like walk into. Like, okay, that's sort of tropey. But they also go to the world's largest ball of yarn, which is like a big house that you can go in. That's also something in the Sam and Max video game. Um, and in the Sam and Max video game, they also run into Elvis in like a tangential way. Elvis is in this movie, and they run into Bigfoot, and Bigfoot's in this movie. And I know that those might seem like vague, but I'm telling you, like if I didn't get any screenshots of the Sam and Max game, but I feel like if I put them side by side, like someone was influenced by the other throughout the course of this. And I think Lucas came before this movie. I think so. And also I believe, like, I don't think I played the game, but I think I read a comic book. I think maybe they were a comic book mm -hmm. first and then they made the game based on that. Correct. Okay. Yeah. So I read the comic, but I didn't, I didn't play the game, but uh, I, I can see where you're coming from. You missed out. And I'm, I might do a, 
Hell, maybe we'll do like a like a play series because I really want to play that game again. And Freddy Farkas. Well, I know we're on a tangent, but yeah, Freddy Farkas, got, Frontier Pharmacist. Le- Le- Say that five Larry's times out fast. There, uh, the Space Quest. Yeah, I get what you're saying. Uh, I guess I was a Sierra kid. I, I always bought the Sierra. I was games. definitely a Sierra kid. Le- King's yeah. Quest. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I, my full allegiance was Space Quest, which I played the Space Quest like maybe like five years ago. I mean, I just went through. I, all I don't think them. I've ever played Space Quest. Okay. Yeah. I, I well, do I recommend those? I mean, you know when you're playing the first one you're you're going like pc 8 bit so i guess and well, we'll people see. like that now yeah <laughs> so yeah that was my next note too possum park i also can really relate to possum park because uh i grew up for the latter half like at this age i was living in florida and it was i didn't live in like a populated area of florida so every time that someone wanted to go somewhere it was like let's go to gatorland or let's go to this like uh, this wildlife preserve where it's going to be like 99 degrees outside and mosquitoes <laughs> and hot and muggy, but it's fun. And like Max's entire just, um, sort of reception of going to Possum Land, I just related 100% because it was just like, why are we in this place that's got like 40 year old uh, outdated equipment and like everyone here is a freaking uh, bumpkin? Like that girl over there that's laughing probably has fleas. <laughs> um, what what I like what this made me think of real life so yeah the wildlife places certainly makes sense I was also thinking of reports I've heard from the Popeye Village in Malta are you are you familiar with this uh no uh, you know the movie the uh, Robert Altman Robin Williams Popeye movie yes okay so they you know Robert Evans basically sent the crew in one plane and the cocaine in the second plane they made this movie and they <laughs> built a complete Popeye village in Malta, which was never torn down and is now like this weird theme park where they really, you know, I've been, I've been to Malta, but I, I didn't know about this when I was there. I obviously would have went there first step. And yeah, they still, it's like, they're kind of understaffed, but the entire, like the, the staff will do there. It's like the, in the characters dressed up as Popeye are also like serving you food and stuff. So it's, do they still really have any bizarre. cocaine left? I think the cocaine was all um, snorted. That, in the that was early gone with the first so. night. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was gone the first night. Henry Nilsson was also involved. So uh, <laughs> he went to the set to he went to the set to make the soundtrack. <laughs> I'll be at the studio again tonight. It's gonna be a long one. Yeah, if you want to see a fun get into a fun making of uh, Popeye is a pretty fun making of. <laughs> um, you know, they ran out of money on, like, they spent it on cocaine. That's why poor Shelly Duvall at the end of that movie is just flopping around with a non moving octopus. It was, it was supposed to be moving, but it broke. <laughs> <laughs> like by Possum Land. Yeah, yeah. Or Possum uh, Park. A, Possum Park. Do you have a favorite um, fictional theme park? Uh, Wally World and Vacation movies, Itchy and Scratchy Land. Uh, the Tiny Toons went somewhere. Uh, I know Futurama's had a few. Maybe Itchy and Scratchy Land. I think that one always seemed really cool. Although, ba- uh, I don't know where they went in Bebe's Kids, but the Bebe's Kids theme park always seemed like it was interesting. Have you ever heard of Bebe's Kids? I remember seeing the poster of it, because that was around this time. Mm-hmm. It I was, yeah. Too later. So... Yeah. We don't die, we multiply. We're Bebe's kids, yeah. And they and they go to like another sort of. It's somewhere between uh, Walt Disney World and Itchy and Scratchy Land. Like like the the things aren't actively trying to kill you a hundred percent, but they find out that there's like this big conspiracy, uh, and they are kind of trying to like kidnap kids and make them work. I think I'm, I think I'm not making stuff up. I do that sometimes. 
The live-action Scooby-Doo movie has a good fake theme park, I believe. Although, I, I haven't seen I've just seen pictures of the park. So, And I, I'm waiting for the new Grand Theft Auto 6 to come out. That that might be my new favorite fictional theme park. We'll see. Oh, is that... It's, the, it's supposed to take place in Florida, it? and I've heard rumors that Orlando's in it, or at least enough for there to be a fictional theme park. So I'm, I'm hoping that's true. Are you going to go looking for your for your house then? Uh, I mean, I've, I they definitely don't have my house. Hey, uh, Vice City did pretty well with Miami, from what I understand. Well, this so. is no Miami, it's my friend. Twenty years later, it's twenty years later. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you do Orlando, sure. So, so there was a, a few um, other key notes in this uh, movie, and some, I guess I don't want to say serious, but like some actual notes that stood out to me. One was that um, this entire movie is basically about Goofy trying to bond with his son because they're separated by this like crazy generation. And and the separation is so much more dramatic than between Goofy and his dad that it's almost like they're alienated from each other. And there's this one particular scene that when they're driving in the car and Goofy accidentally says that he loves his son and they both immediately like cringe and look away from each other and they kind of like shudder like oh god are we both gay now like the, there was this weird moment of like oh you know men aren't supposed to say that they, they love each gay. other yeah Spe- and well bestiality on top of that too right so <laughs> if they're both dogs so that so that was this weird like premise where i guess that was part of you know not wanting to to seem uncool was like your dad can't love you but even in like a car on a road trip it it seemed weird but maybe that's like a very normal thing um but then they also the whole reason for this car trip is because goofy's trying to keep max out of jail and ultimately the electric chair because that's what the the principal calls goofy up and he's like hey your son's out of control because he wanted attention at school and he's on his way to the electric chair. And then everyone's telling him along the rest of the movie, like, oh, yeah, Sam might end up going to jail because, or Max might end up going to jail because he's just like this horrible person. But he never does anything bad except for like puts on a free performance during a school uh, sort of intermission. Like, what's, what's the deal? I don't really understand why. The principal knows how to play Goofy and weaponize his language when talking to Goofy. Right, I get that, but like, what? Why does the principal have a bone to pick with Max? It even seem like Max is even like a, a problem kid. What did he do back in Goof Troop? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, there's there's probably a lot unspoken here. We don't know all of his crimes. Um, and we also have the the classic Polly Shore character, and this came up on a recent episode. Uh, voiced by Polly Shore. Voiced by Polly Shore, and and. Uh, Andreas Zertis, shout out to Stink Tank. He, but he mentioned because we were we went on like a weird Polly Shore deep dive the other day, just like impromptu, and covered most of his <laughs> movies. And here, someone else made this claim that I immediately was like, "I'll die on this hill." Uh, but that Polly Shore would like always played like these completely different characters in movies, and to me, it was like it's always the exact same character. Like even in this one, was more proof of that. Where the first time you see him, the very first scene that Polly Shore's character's on the screen, he's, you know, he's taking a, a doze of the cheese whiz. He's cheesing it up, you know, and he's doing all <laughs> of the noises and all of the little catch sayings that you'd expect from Polly Shore. So it was interesting. It, it dates a movie in such a way, but also, like, I like it. Like, I like seeing Polly Shore, hearing Polly Shore's voice in a in an early or mid-90s movie. 
it it brings it back in a good way and i don't know if that's just like blind nostalgia but uh it just feels so wholesome like there's there was never anything like dirty or weird about Polly Shore, even if, if he made like weird noises and was, you know, essentially sexually harassing someone in public, he did it in such a cool MTV uh, sort of way. Yeah, is he, is he the one that says, I'm going to nuke your entire existence? I'm just looking that I wrote that down somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> get, yeah, this, this movie doesn't hold back. They actually get into a Holocaust denial towards the end, too. I don't know if you picked up on that. A little bit. No, I wrote uh, somewhere in the middle of this. Uh, this movie is kind of existentially depressing. Um, <laughs> I assume we're going up and, you know, like the movie Up, they, they got all the depression out in the first 10 minutes, right? Up. Where this one, it, it was in the Possum Park when I wrote that. I'm like, this movie's weirdly depressing in a way. Not bad, but it's just like, yeah. <laughs> no, it is because the whole thing is, is Goofy's trying to connect with his son. And the son doesn't want anything to do with Goofy. And Goofy's not even a bad dad. He's actually a great dad. And they even kind of stress this in the scene where PJ shows up with Pete. And they've got this like ultra glamming, you know, camper RV that's got a bowling alley and a... Um, this is actually one of my favorite fictional things. I wish I had this RV that you just <laughs> park it and you got a pool and a bowling alley and like an indoor, you know, like rec center, like all of this stuff. It cuts down trees as soon as you park. It's the coolest thing. But they show in this, they beat you over the head on this one scene where Pete is like ignoring PJ or he's just like kind of being a crap dad to him. And then Goofy's being like a great dad, but Goofy and Max are poor and Pete and PJ are rich. But they're trying to show you like, hey, you know, he rich isn't just money it's also families and relationships but they they really like drive that in really dark and then at the this crucial scene spoiler alert when max basically decides like are we going to go to idaho are we going to go to california and he goes to california and uh and then goofy's just like inconsolable and that i mean it's weird seeing like goofy crying and like almost in a suicidal state because the son that he's trying to connect with is lying to him in front of his face. Not the Disney movie I expected. No, part of the, the ploy here was, oh, we want to humanize Goofy, which is kind of a weird thing to do. And apparently, um, Bill Farmer recorded two, the first two weeks, recorded Goofy not in a cartoony voice. But in the end, it's like, that sounds can't terrifying. Goofy. Yeah, Goofy was going to talk in a in a more normal voice, but yeah, once they started like matching the animation, they're like, oh, this sucks. Uh, just do Goofy. <laughs> can Can you do a suicidal Goofy uh, quote? What, like uh, like like in the cartoony voice? Yeah, I want to hear a cartoony uh, Goofy that's like resigned and and is maybe about to off himself. Gosh, all of my friends are dead. I'm just going to have to bleed out in the gutter. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, it got a little southern in there, but I'll, I'll take it. It did. I mean, it, you know, he's a bit of a rube, right? Um, <laughs> I, I never claimed to be an impressions man anyway. Um, I'm not like Rich Little, who does a hundred impressions, and they're all exactly the same. <laughs> so I've I've got some mild occult observations in here. I'll just get these over because I, I don't have a, a huge can, long can list. I, can I guess can I guess one for you? Yeah. Because I wrote down this quote and I attributed it to the Illuminati, which is uh, <laughs> I think Mac uh, not Max, uh, Pete says it, but if you keep them under your thumb, they'll never end up in the gutter. Oh, I like that. I didn't I didn't uh capture that one. But yeah, I heard that and it just I think that was actually part of that scene where they're trying to drive in that Pete's kind of like a crappy dad compared to Goofy. Um, and then Goofy like tries that, although 
it works. It actually works really well because Max wants to go off and do his own thing. And Goofy's like, let's go, you know, learn how to fish. And Max is like, no, I don't want to. And Goofy's about to be a pushover. And then Pete reminds him. He does the, like, motion, like, keep him under your thumb. And then Goofy's like, you know what, Max? You're going fishing. And the next scene is they're actually going fishing. And they, they kind of bond over it. So, I don't know. Pete was actually giving some some good advice in this case. I mean, when I teach rowdy classes, you know, like, I'll sometimes I'll snap into drill instructor mode. And then, do you know, over the next five minutes, like, kind of try and fade out of drill instructor mm-hmm. mode. But, uh... I mean, yeah, so I'm basically doing that <laughs> in a way. And that's basically what Goofy does because he instantly starts chilling out afterwards. So that was one of them. Uh, and there were some other ones, like, like three or four exactly. So one of that is that there was some weird sort of like spiritual force that was working against both Goofy and Max in this movie. And I want to say like some kind of a demonic possession or like some sort of you know, satanic hip hop music, probably something. Well, it was rock music. <laughs> well, they're in the car, at least they used, kept trying to put like heavy yeah. metal on, but, and the, and the two specific examples I've got is that when goofy falls asleep and max realizes like, Oh, I can just change the map. You can see that he's contemplating it, but he's not doing it. He's, he's like thinking about it, but like there's, he's not taking the action to actually do it. And, and as soon as that thought crosses his mind, the pencil like falls and it spins and it points exactly at Los Angeles, almost like pick me up and circle me and and do this. And there's also like this dim red light that's cast on the map as that happens, like, like some kind of hellfire. So that's one part of it. And then later on in the movie, um, Goofy is in the car and he's, he's like, I don't want to not trust my son. So I'm not going to look at the map, but he hits his hand on the steering wheel. And when he does that, the glove box pops open and the map unfurls and it shows exactly what Max had done that kind of proves that he was lying to his dad. But when that happens, that same like soft red light kind of shows up and it just felt like this is almost like the the devil, like just instigating something between Max and Goofy um, on purpose. Like that's the little like devil on the shoulder, right? But they just, you don't see the devil in this case. The devil is a way more subtle like presenting these opportunities and almost like nudging you into it um, to where, you know, you're ultimately making the decision, but he's kind of like lining stuff. And I, when I say he, I mean, you know, Lucifer, the great Lord, the, the North star. Right. The one who illuminates us all. Um. Correct. <laughs> um, oh yeah. I was definitely thinking of you when we met Bigfoot. <laughs> yeah. That, I know I have questions. Is Bigfoot a cannibal? Like he was trying to eat them the entire time. Right, he was gonna he was gonna kill them. Yeah, um, let's see. What are my notes here? Uh, Bigfoot is real, but the smell. I wish the Bigfoot 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 segment included more of the transdimensional. We didn't get transdimensional Bigfoot. That was too bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bigfoot loves disco. Goofy. Oh yes, Goofy and Bigfoot snoring in tandem would be terrifying. I, I did like I could feel Max's terror <laughs> in that bit, and then Max chills out. I'm like, man, I couldn't chill out with that. That's that's disturbing. <laughs> and I also like that th- this wasn't even like a monumental event for either of them. Like, oh my God, Bigfoot's real. So I guess in the goofy world, Bigfoot's just something that happens to be out in the wilderness and he might try to eat you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess the, I guess the, the, the Bigfoots in, in our woods don't eat you. They 
They steal your they well. They they'll steal your catch. They'll steal your deer, um, and they'll just they'll eat the deer. Yeah, that's they'll cool. pop back out of existence, or they'll sick dogman on you, and that's you don't want that part. No, no, sick dogman sounds sounds a little raw. I don't know. I just I hear about the smell, and that's where I don't want to encounter Bigfoot because I don't like gnarly odors. I have a sensitive nose. Yeah, no, you'll you'll smell them coming <laughs> before you see them coming. There we go. Okay, so you know what to do. You do have to wear bear bells around here if you go hiking, though. So, you scare those those. Uh, what kind of bears are you running into? Um, if you go to Hokkaido, the North Island, they're like terrifying bears with claws. Uh, we would get, I guess, a brown bear equivalent, a little smaller, but you know, properly vicious. Okay. Uh, there's also you know forest monkeys. That's kind of fun. They're a little crazy. Yeah, you can go to the. Uh, it's it's pretty famous i'm sure you've seen shots of the the monkey onsen where the monkeys are in the hot spring are these ones that like steal people's cameras and then like demand payment to get them back no they're in the hot spring so they're usually pretty chill um gibraltar is where they'll steal your camera and ask for money uh, on the rock of gibraltar my people Um, they'll jump on your head yeah yeah if you go to the rock of gibraltar you're gonna have a monkey on your head probably i feel like that would be more fun i don't know maybe the springs the spring sounds more chill, but stealing people's cameras sounds more fun. Yeah. Uh, actually, they were stealing food because they said when you go up there, do not bring food. And we saw someone that had a bag of chips and the monkeys are, ah! Apes, actually, <laughs> small apes. But they, yeah, we, we got to see an example of why you don't bring food. So it was kind of exciting. Oh, God. Go up there with like a fruit roll up and put it on your face with like, you know, we had like eat the eye holes out in the mouth and just walk around with. No, you're going to lose your face. face. Oh, you're going <laughs> to lose your face if that happens. Yeah, don't do that. That's the worst. That that there. That's what Goofy would do when he's trying to kill himself. <laughs> so and and uh, one other, I I guess I would consider this the most um, sort of like baked in symbol, and it's not a, it's not a super deep one, but when. Max makes that final decision to either go left or go right. And they, they, I kind of like the way that they visualize this, where he's got the map in front of him, and it clearly shows that turning left brings him to California, and going right would go to Idaho. And then he looks up, and they're right there at the, at the pass. And they either have to go left or right. And Goofy's asking him, you know, which way do we go? And Goofy already knows which way is the right way. And he's, it's kind of a test to see if Max will lie to him, which he does. And when he does that... They do it the last second, and Goofy kind of hits the uh, the median bearer just a little bit with the car, and they grow off. But the camera, with the lack of detail of all the backgrounds and everything else, it, st- it stands out when they show these little details. So when they show that they left a mark on that median, it that part felt like a like a symbolic version of like this decision just scarred both of them for life. Like they left a mark. They left a literal physical mark to forever commemorate that this decision was made uh, in the form of the car being damaged, but also that median gets scuffed, and they show that little scuff mark, and they kind of keep the camera on it as the car drives off into the horizon. So when I saw that, it was like, okay, that th- there's something I can seek my teeth into a little bit, because they're showing that this decision that maybe Satan forced Max to make had a real physical implication in the, the quote-unquote real world within the, the scope of Disney goofy world scorched a bit of the earth yes <laughs> we're smudged at the least yeah because i i did start thinking though i was thinking like maybe goofy needs to be a little more zen and just like roll with where this is going um he could have he could have let up and it would have been fine too so part but also like max was straight up lying about almost everything that he did in this movie was a lie 
Yeah, I mean, there's fun to be had in L.A. Most likely, I I would assume. I haven't been to L.A., but um. <laughs> well, and, and the the lesson that I took away from this too, like if you were to to go for like the Aesop fable version, is that lie in order to get popular at school, and then just break into a concert and make that lie into a reality. And it's very Machiavellian and justifies the means sort of philosophy. Like they technically they committed a few felonies, right? They broke into this concert. Um, Max ultimately starts doing some some like you know peeping Tom stuff in, in the backstage, and then they break into the stage and kind of like I feel like they violated lots of laws and rules and ethics in the course of that, and it all works out. They'll give you the electric chair for that, yeah. <laughs> and ironically, Goofy gets electrocuted in the final scene. <laughs> right, so why is he so afraid of, of Max getting the electric chair? Isn't that something that Goofy does on a on normal basis? Well, Goofy made a deal at the crossroads. <laughs> okay, yeah. He's got, <laughs> he's got nine lives. Um, yeah, what, what are some... I guess my notes on how dumb Goofy is. Let's see. Um, there was one I, I just saw a moment ago. Uh, it's something like uh, 13 generations of, of, of Goof is uh, of something against Darwinism. He's like, there's been 13 generations of us. I'm like, eh, that, that's a strike against Darwinism for sure. Maybe a Lamarckian. Um, Maybe Goofy's a Lamarckian. Yeah. <laughs> uh, living Goofy always ends in pain. Okay. Goofy's already proved he can survive this stuff. So when he's getting electrocuted, I'm like, we all, we all know Goofy survives this stuff. What's the problem here? <laughs> yeah, it's a good point. Like, if, if we've already seen Goofy uh, taken to the extreme limits, like, why is he so afraid of the same thing happening to his son? It seems like his son could handle any of this. Yeah, yeah, really. Um, so I'm just looking through my notes uh, to see if there's anything else I want to get. Oh, yeah, the one thing now that we are in the... Um, gender amorphous the age of the gender amorphous pop stars um i did have a little trouble working out power line you know kind of like uh, debarge in the 80s i always thought debarge had a female lead singer and they they don't um didn't so it took me like i wrote i thought power line was like grace jones times radiation yeah he was he was kind of like that so. dude grace jones that was the guy the guy yeah, with yeah. the female <laughs> name right <laughs> i'm just kidding grace, grace but, uh, jones yeah, the is whole, awesome no, yeah, she is awesome. But yeah, I'm just like now it's like we have the very amorphous pop star and like I guess we had a little bit different flavor of it. Definitely toned down in the in the nineties, but uh Well I mean me to just to just hammer on that same joke. <laughs> that was that was the point I was making when they're in the car and it's like, Okay, I'm are you a boy or a girl? And again, if, if it were 2023, like that's, that's not the binary tree that you're expecting anymore. Like now you're just, you have to ask that question like 70 more times than you might find the one that you're going after. Yeah. See, I mean, the weird thing is that just in Japan, they haven't even like figured out if they're going to let gay people get married yet for some reason. So it just doesn't come up here. So I, I see it all like, you know, like not third person, but it's all like on the internet and stuff. I don't have these encounters like in person. <laughs> I think that's where most of these encounters do happen is, is on the internet. That might be the case. So, I mean, honestly, if you 
tell me, call me this. Yeah, sure. Why not? <laughs> it's fine. Yeah. Um, it just, it just makes those games, uh, in the car road trips take way longer than they need to. That's all it is. <laughs> and like a, a game of a uh, guess who, right. It makes guess who way easier because you're like, you know, am I a, a trigender unifish? And it's like, Oh, I am like, I knew it. You're Pat or whatever that character's name is in the new guess who 2023 edition. Yeah, I don't know. I, my, my thing is I, I tried to put... Z I like putting no labels on myself if possible. That's kind of fun. <laughs> I prefer no labels. Um, just grunt. When, when, just grunt at me. I'll just grunt. Yeah, just... <clears throat> just I'll, I'll know you're talking to me. Okay. <laughs> and, and just before we get too far from it, I have to mention that there's an amazing episode of the show Atlanta about the Goofy movie. Have you, Do you know what I'm talking about? I saw it when I was doing my, uh, you know, my little production run, but I've only seen like weirdly coming from Atlanta. I've only seen like the first two episodes. Oh man, it yeah. We won't get too much on a tangent. That show has some ebbs and flows for sure, but it, it hits a very serious stride. And I don't even. I think it's like uh, seasons two and three, but there's one in particular, and I think it might have been the last season um, that they have a whole episode that departs from the storyline and everything and it just it opens up on a mockumentary and the mockumentary is about how the disney movie the one that we just watched from 95 was the the first disney movie that was supposed to be made by about and for black people and that they make this strong argument that goofy and max are black and that's why he's trying to save him from this uh this life of crime um, and it's why that they're all obsessed with rap music and it, they, and they go on to explain like all of these reasons. Now it's fictional. I did, I did triple check and it was completely made up, uh, but it was done so damn well. I highly recommend it. If that even sounds mildly interesting, go watch that episode. No, I can get that. Yeah. See, I might've missed out on those strains a little bit. Um, just going through school, uh, and the cab County is the, the County of Atlanta and, uh, they didn't want to do the forced busing. So they tried to get people to volunteer to do the busing by making it like the smart kids school. Right. So I went there and the whole point of it was like the demographics of my school were like perfectly balanced or something. So, uh, I don't know, how, but yeah, anyway, the, the whole point is, uh, I had a extremely diverse school, which I, I think was good. So are, are, is goofy black or white? What are, what are we getting out here? You, that's what you mentioned like you brought that up right before we did this I, you mentioned that and i'm watching the movie trying to work that out you know they got the gym it looks like my high school gym and i'm like man i i i, I can't quite figure out that rubric you know i'm not sold on okay. it i'm I'm not sold on the premise that goofy movie is uh a necessarily supposed to be a black movie or that goofy and max are black there's it's an interesting theory but there's so many parts of it that just break down uh they swim it's the single dad and not a single mom like i can keep going on but these all of those things feel like they would have missed out on like the key cliche tropes especially for a tv movie like you gotta if we're talking the, the era of family matters and step by step and full house those tropes existed in all of these productions and i don't think goofy movie was like so far elevated that they were like no no we're we're beyond those television tropes so this is the goofy movie for god's sake it's like it, it kind of works for max but goofy i mean come on goofy's musical tastes 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, I don't know. He liked Mamba. That was that was his thing. Was Mamba? Yeah, yeah. I guess. I guess you know. You know, you, you can't Cuban. You can be, have like a black Cuban. No, you can't know. guess someone's taste from from the cover of the book, right? So, but uh, I'm just like, man, Goofy's. I don't know. I'm I'm not Goofy's sold. Although lame. I love the the thought the theory. <laughs> yeah, he's too lame. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's almost like offensive to say that about Goofy because Goofy's so lame, lovably lame. But well, if if anything, the the Possum Park kind of proves this because when he goes to Possum Park, it almost feels like Goofy is among his people, and those are some. Roots. I don't know what race Goofy is, but the people at the Possum Park are white rednecks, a hundred percent. The girl with like the missing teeth that she's smiling and fleas are jumping off of her. <laughs> like they're they're making fun of you know good old Florida folk. <laughs> yeah, I, well, yeah, I'm from Georgia, so I was thinking good old Georgia folk. But uh, well, you know, yeah, fill fill in the freaking blank. We, the, you you have plenty of the. The country people uh, in, in both states, you know, slightly different flavors, just like how the barbecue is different from state to state. So here I'll, I've got a, a couple of visuals here. I'll, I'll do it quick because I know this is also an, an audio podcast. So I'll do my best to, uh, you know, communicate why I pulled some of these these frames up. But I'll see if I can describe what I'm seeing. So the very opening scene was really cool. It reminded me of like the opening, the gladiator, although I'm, I'm positive gladiator came out after this. Um, but uh, I yes. <laughs> do feel like there could be some sort of occult symbolism here that I just, I haven't wrapped my head fully around, but like she might represent Demeter or Persephone because they're in this, this big field of wheat. Uh, this is grain. the opening dream. So you could put any kind of dream logic. Right? Well, yeah. And, and they're, so they're tripping on LSD or God. That's, that's a given. Um, it starts right off, and I'm not going to say this is the hottie part because I don't I don't sexualize this. Uh, what what the hell is her name? I already forgot her name. Roxanne. Roxanne. I don't. I Roxanne. I think is like too young for me. I know how creepy that might sound, but she's the perfect age for Max. We all chased Roxanne when we were 14. Now this one, you know, opening scene. Just I'll. What we're looking at is a fairly sexualized image of Roxanne that rivals, I would say, some images of Jessica Rabbit minus some cleavage. Uh, and yeah. yeah, this is just going to be an entire breakdown of a sexualized Disney goofy movie for the next 20 <laughs> minutes. So, um, you know, without saying, here's some very impressive cleavage on a random background character. Uh, also, and how long was this shot? Because I, I mean, I, I, it's like, you know, this is the subconscious thing I remember, but I don't remember it, you know? I've been staring at it for at least thirty seconds now. So, <laughs> no, it I mean, was, in the movie, it was though, a it's... fairly quick shot. It's when he's like running down um, the street and he's like talking and about to get into a song, I think. Um, but this is—it's like a quick. It's maybe like a ten-second shot. He, you see them, and then Max comes up and kind of breaks out between them. But this uh, this character comes up again. Um, there's a scene here where they're reading a comic book and this lasted for like less than a quarter of a second. Um, but it's got sea people instead of sea monkeys, weird planet instead of uh, strange tales. And then there's one that says, do you need extra money? And then it just says $20 is yours. Um, this one did clock with me. I, I know how quick it was, but I definitely probably because I used to read these comic books, right? I, so. Yeah, th I love this. This is my favorite part of those comic books or those old ads. They had goth girls on the bus that were like fed up of the the pep rally. Uh, again, a very '90s thing that I could relate to very much. There was always, uh, and they were always in either the front or the back. This would have been more accurate if they were in the far back of the bus, but uh, I thought that was interesting. 
We got, you know, they're too lazy to walk to the back of the bus. We got, uh, you know, doing the, doing the cheese, um, Polly Shore classic, just doing the exact thing that he always does. Then they have the, the class president ish girl that reminded me of Blossom. Uh, even with the freaking hat and the braces, like yeah, you can't tell me that's hat. not I'm blossom. Pretty sure. Uh, <laughs> here's the the girl again. Um, very uh, well endowed, goofy. I don't know what creature this is. Are we looking at a mouse, a dog, a cat? They're all in goofy territory, dogs. So they're I all dogs. I, I, I was I was assuming they're all dogs, but yeah, it is kind of vague what they are. Well, now there was a scene when they were driving, and there was a lady that was clearly a feline hybrid something and then she had a car full of cats so there was a cat lady with cats that was driving at some point so not everyone's a dog or a mouse in this one um again the, uh, i mean is it just me was it was i just like in a creepy way just like honing in on this but the, you know <laughs> when it comes to a a disney movie i don't know uh okay maybe maybe this is me but a, another one again i don't <laughs> Was I just on a kick where I just started noticing that all of the goofy females like have, and then here's the actual trip that they sort of take. So they, they kind of start on the far East coast and drive all the way to the West coast. And at the last second, that's, this is where they either make the left or the right. Um, right. So this was, this was the map. And then it also says this map belongs to Walter P. Goofy, Benjamin Goofy, all Goofies. So here's the lineage of the Goofy family, I assume. So Walter P. Goofy would have been great Max's great-great-grandpa, um, Benjamin Goofy, great-grandpa. And then I don't know, I'm not sure exactly how this, this goes. Uh, and either, he, either he's, they're misspelling their names or we're all getting it wrong. It's yeah, they, they all spell it G-O-O-F-E-Y. <laughs> uh, maybe they didn't want to get a copyright strike on themselves. I don't know. Um, here's the the games they're playing in the car. Road Bingo, 20 Questions, Simon Says. I don't know how you play Simon Says in a car. It sounds dangerous. And then there's <laughs> this... He does things like that. Well, and there's this one moment when they actually start showing animosity and they're fighting over the radio station. And this is, again, it's like showing that conflict between the clashes of culture where Disney wants to sing along to songs that he and his dad sang along to. But for Max, all that's lame. He doesn't care about none of that. And he just wants to listen to heavy metal. This is the only scene. And I watched it at like 10, uh, at one X speed or like 0.1 X speed for large portions of this movie. Just making sure I wasn't missing anything. This is the only thing that went by in the background. And it just says, N6, and I think it's just a, a nod to, like, Ch- Chanel number no. 5, uh, because as they keep driving, there's, like, a little perfume bottle, but this was just, like, the the utter lack of background sort of elements and stuff that I was just grasping at straws. This is the only thing that I saw. Um, <laughs> this is this one scene where it starts doing that, like, onomatopoeia-style uh, percussion where, like, all the noises of the road start to make the song. Another fairly well endowed there was a much better muttered um like a better version of this i could have gotten with a little bit more cleavage but it gets the point across uh the one little cameo of mickey and donald and here's the dude that i was talking about before that is clearly on his way to getting murdered but he didn't stop that from letting him partake in a musical yeah my late night note is amusings on the death car 
Oh, maybe I was asking yeah. for your, your musings on the death car, which I've, I've gotten. So, <laughs> yep, that's that's the death car. Yeah, I like that. And then this is the one big scene, and, and uh, I don't know if this is in enough detail, but one of these cars, yeah, I think it might have been this one. One of these cars had that cat lady in it. Um, this one reminded me a little bit of Tailspin, uh, which a lot of the people that worked on this worked on Tailspin because they had this little like uh, buggy cart thing going on. And then these, uh, yeah. And then what else we got here? This, this is the scene that was like, this looks like a Sam and Max level. Um, here they are yodeling as absolute yokels. And I feel like this is the best example that Goofy's not black is because of this scene and how much he really got into Possum, uh, Possum Park. And then I couldn't help but... I didn't know if they were making an inside dig at the Country Bears or if they were making an inside dig at knockoffs of the Country Bears. But this is clearly Country Bears territory, is it not? Oh, I wrote something about the Country Bears in here. Um, if I... Oh, because for this, the longest time, country like you might go to Country Bears and see some malfunctioning for a while. Yeah, I wrote this not in Japan. <laughs> this song is kind of catchier, no, but I like the Country Bears better. So I was so I, I'll go knockoffs <laughs> then. Yeah. So this also classic Disney World. They even got the little photo pass booth uh, with like the Kodak reel. I just thought that was like I don't think Possum Park has. The, photo booth but i still have a drill um, card for my students um which i'm actually doing in a class right now one of the cards does have a picture of film on it and the kids are like what is that <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's right a little floppy disk next to it <laughs> yeah <laughs> they get that better at least you have icons still that show that on pcs but yeah the the film is what what is that and I like how they, they portray Pete as, like, the absolute glutton. He's just, like, so big and so um, just, like, self-fulfilling uh, sort of, you know, do as thou wilt that he's so fat that he just needs a lift to get onto the ground from his RV. And that shirt makes him look like he has large man boobs, too. So, yeah. Um, and again, th I would absolutely love to just have, like, a freaking bowling alley that pops out of your RV. Like, yes, please. I, I know that they were trying to show that he was in like direct violation of enjoying nature, but I feel like I would enjoy nature all that much more if I got to go bowling while I was in the middle of the freaking Rockies. Uh, if you want to see a real life extravagant trailer, look up a uh, Will Smith trailer uh, that uh, I know he used in men in black three and uh, some other movies around that time. And it's pretty wild. It <laughs> comes stocked with a, uh... Yeah, <laughs> and this was the Bigfoot, and where they show first of all they're trying to catch what with a steak this size, uh, so they end up catching <laughs> Bigfoot. It's a snack, and <laughs> Bigfoot, you know, clearly wants to kill them and eat them, but then they give him the BGs, and that's their pass. Like once the Bigfoot discovers BGs, he's all good. Um, Bigfoot loves disco. <laughs> I was just analyzing the map to see if there was like some secret, you know, hidden something i didn't i didn't get there there's the elvis in the background by the way he doesn't really make an appearance outside of the fact that we just saw bigfoot and then we sell we see elvis in the background um and there was another little scene. roommates so it's it's clearly elvis and also he's what a dog a dog elvis which you would you would Is expect he? yeah look at look at the nose he's got like this little uh, okay like, there dog we go nose it almost yeah, looks yeah. like a human, but that would not fit in because I don't think there's any humans in this no, movie. No, it wouldn't right? fit in, but it took me a moment. So yeah. This also looks like the diner from Dumb and Dumber. I, I know that's just because it's generic, but I feel like there's someone in the back corner that they're trying to escape from. 
the house of yarn again looks almost identical to the salmon max level of that and then they finally have this big falling out at the neptune inn this is where it gets deep and they've got <laughs> a sweet uh i love this idea that oh yeah the waterbeds have fish that. in them um <laughs> and and uh, not just because it's it's a cool idea but also it's continues to blur this line over like goofy uh, like they can have dogs and you can have a cat lady that also has cats and they also have fish and they have like aquariums. But I feel like there might also be like a personified fish in this world that they also have fish as pets. I don't know. I want to understand more of the goofy logic and how like the slavery system works. Uh, Maybe it's like the Zootopia logic. I don't know. <laughs> we've got a sweet pick of Pete and his junk in a Speedo. Um, so it <laughs> They're, they're catering to everyone. Uh, I like that they've got the little tiki gods back here. We could go on a whole tangent about how like the tiki gods and what they represent, but I understand it's just sort of an ambiance thing. And this is what I was talking about. So even even the freaking look on his face, look at how this is like I'm some classic. Yeah, dude. Like he's seeing something from another realm right now. And this is right after he bangs on the steering wheel and the glove box just magically pops open. And it has this exact same reddish tint to it that Max sees when he's like the pencil, like poltergeist itself into pointing at LA. So I don't know. I, I feel like this was uh, like this big occult, sort of this supernatural element in this movie that's constantly pushing them to like fight with each other. And then there's this big fork in the road between California and Idaho on route 66. And that's where he makes that last minute left turn. And it leaves these gashes that kind of, it's just like a forever record. Like this is a scar that will forever, you know, echo in history of that time. Max lied to his dad, even though his dad was just trying to be nice. Grant, granted, Goofy probably does this everywhere, but uh, yeah, fair it's, enough. It's his driving skill, but <laughs> yeah, they're, they're making it seem like you know it was Max's fault. Really, that's just how Goofy drives. Um, you can't ever see vultures staring at someone and not think you know they're going to die. Like that's what this symbolism means, especially when they've lost their car. Correct. Yeah, the they were going to die essentially. <laughs> and then this, there was like this baptismal moment in the movie because first they go to the Neptune Inn. It's all aquatic themed. Um, and then I almost felt like, okay, they're going to, they're going to go to like some sort of really deep depths. And sure enough, the car eventually at like the climax of them sort of fighting with each other and lying to each other, the car goes off of a cliff underwater. And once they come back up out of the water, this is that baptism moment. The second they both come above water again, everything's been washed away. All their sins have been washed away. They're like on good terms again. And in fact, Max shows that because then they start realizing they're going over a waterfall and Max uses this special, the perfect cast that I think Goofy calls it that his dad taught him. So here's that Lamarckian genetic, you know, information traveling down the family line where Goofy, all he has to do is just let Max watch him do it once. And now Max also knows how to do the perfect cast and saves his dad's life by doing the perfect cast um, presented without comment. Again, this is a, you know, it, it, he was like, I'm not sure about this. And then these girls walk by backstage and he's not only is he like, I'm on board, but he does this very specific head tilt thing. And there's, what is he doing here? There's only one thing that he's doing. He's trying to get a better look 
at their reproductive organs, right? This is the only thing that he's doing when he tilts <laughs> his head to like look from downwards upwards. He's trying to get a direct view. He's a teenager, he's a right? Teenager. Um, maybe we've got some uh, Masonic pillar Tesla thing going on. I don't know. If, if you really want to stretch it in. Yeah, if you really want to stretch it. We got an all-seeing eye. <laughs> One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Let's just say that there's 13 lights. I'm not even going to count them. 12 or 13, whatever. Zodiac. Uh, again, maybe I'm. Maybe this is me. Maybe now I'm being weird for taking so many screenshots of the well-endowed, goofy actresses. But there are a lot there, of them. there's a lot of them. And there are some specific scenes that, again, like working in animation... Uh, I understand that nothing just acts. No one just accidentally draws like a butt crack in somewhere. Like you wouldn't add that extra work to yourself and the frame consistency for no reason. So when we see, for example, these uh these badonkadonks, that not only <laughs> not only are these you know quite well endowed, like very large voluptuous butts, they even draw in the little like under butt folds. Like the butt is so big that it causes a little bit of skin under the butt to fold in under itself. And this is not a, an accidental detail that was added on both of these characters, I'll have you know. So, anyways, <laughs> and Max knows what he's seeing here because he is delighted to have made this discovery um, and he's getting this little private show. So, I mean... He's excited this, about Powerline. Well, yeah, maybe he's staring at Powerline. <laughs> There's no judgments here, Max. This is 2023. It, you're no longer bound by the chains of uh, the oppression of 1995. But just if if I can take any one of these out of context, just tell me, did someone just accidentally draw like a really big butt on these? Or, right? Is it just me? Am I being weird? Well, they only did it once. It's clearly copied and pasted. But <laughs> I mean, fair. But th this was more but, than yeah. just this one frame. <laughs> like this went on for a few frames. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just thinking about the reality. So, anyways, and yeah, he's delighted as I would have been as well at 12, uh, getting any sort of uh, similar <laughs> show to that. So, and uh, and I'll end it on that. Actually, here I'll, I'll end it on this again, just because. Um, yeah, go the goofy movie. I don't. I can't quite put my finger on why uh, this one really stood out to me as I was 12 or 13. Um, I'm trying to figure it out. I can't quite figure out what the what the consistent theme is here, but uh, yeah. And actually, I just noticed even the billboard. <laughs> okay. Oh yeah, I was gonna bring that up, but we already brought. So it up okay, yeah, maybe maybe I'm being weird, but yeah, I th I think that this is maybe where I started to realize that there was a there's a bigger world out there to explore. Dogs are cute. <laughs> so. <laughs> um i guess we need to wrap up for today actually I, I i need to wrap up for today so uh it is oh that we're okay we have a okay it's the 90s wayne's world yeah <laughs> i'm done I'm uh done. how's your what's up for your new year then lots of big ones uh the biggest one is that chaos twins is going to be shipping at the end of january and even if you didn't get in on the the Indiegogo campaign, you still have a chance to not just get a copy. You can even get a signed copy up until I remove that option because at some point Sam uh, is going to come here and sign all the copies and fly back to LA. And that'll be the true 
last chance for anyone to get a signed copy for a little while, but chaostwins.com, that's going to be awesome. And uh, let's see what else. I've got some totally unkid-friendly stuff too. So yeah, Chaos Twins, put that in the drawer, lock it, put it away. Now I've got something, adultoccult.com, a.k.a. my new Illuminati series. And this, as I'm saying, puts the naughty back into Illuminati. Uh, It's where (laughs) erotica meets esoterica. It is uh, unbridled, uncensored, 18 plus, don't show it to your kids, only artwork that breaks down occult uh, research and, yeah, uh, adult, you know, illustrated comics. And I've also got a game that's going to be hopefully in early release by January, February on Steam called Lucifer Lives in Lower Manhattan that takes a bunch of research that I was doing into the original Satanic Panic from the 30s and 40s and puts it into an interactive video game that you can play. Uh, that might also have some adult elements, although those might be like a Patreon patch. I'm I'm sorting that out. I don't want to nuke it out of orbit on Steam by putting like a nipple somewhere at the end. And then they're like, oh, now no one's allowed <laughs> to play this unless they, you know, like click on 20 fire hydrants or something. So that's going to be a big one. What else? Uh, so many. There's so many different projects coming out. Just follow. Oh, yeah. Go on Spotify. If you're listening right now. And you're like, okay, I'm done listening to podcasts. No more voices. Uh, no more people talking. Go check out Sound Scientists. Two albums dropped this month. One of them is called Cult Classics. It's a full-length album. It's all about different cults um, from Jonestown to Nexium and everything in between. And another album called Clinton's Greatest Hits, <laughs> which is another full-length album that's all about the crimes of the Clinton family. All right. As for me, my projects are my podcast. Uh, you can find most of those at Patreon at Podcastio Podcastius, where I talk about the Twilight Zone, really good, really bad movies, and currently Space 1999. Well, I guess I'm going to go drive my car into a fire hydrant, just like Goofy. I have a photo of that somewhere from, from Disney. Can we Land. get one more uh, suicidal Goofy quote to wrap this up? <laughs> Well, gee, all these pills look delicious. I'm going to take a long nap.